Alaska's new voting system is getting a big test with the upcoming special election to fill the rest of Congressman Don Young's current term with dozens of Alaskans in the race. Then Alaskans will vote in a second election to fill the regular two-year House term that starts in January. What do you need to know about both elections? We'll discuss ranked choice voting and special elections for Alaska's lone U.S. House seat today on Talk of Alaska. Talk of Alaska is brought to you in part by the law firm of Landy Bennett Blumstein, attorneys who know the people, businesses, tribes, and communities of Alaska. Landy Bennett Blumstein, online at lbblawyers.com. Parents, did you know that one out of four Alaska high school students currently use e-cigarettes? E-cigarettes are easy to use and easy to hide. What teens breathe in and out from e-cigarettes is not safe. It contains cancer-causing chemicals, toxic metals, and nicotine. Nicotine can lead to addiction. It can harm brain development and hurt memory, learning, and attention span. Parents, talk to your teens about vaping. Visit livevapefree at alaskaquitline.com. This message sponsored by the Alaska Tobacco Quitline. The views expressed on this program are those of the participants and not necessarily those of Alaska Public Media, this station, or its underwriters. Hello, it's Talk of Alaska. I'm Lori Townsend. Whether you agreed with Don Young or not, the late congressman was a big personality, and the election to replace him is also large. So how important is the election to fill the remainder of the existing term, and what might that indicate for the election of the next Alaska U.S. congressional member? After nearly 50 years, this election will mean the beginning of a new era for Alaska's representation in Washington. On the line today to help us understand how the special election process will work is Alaska Public Media's Washington, D.C. correspondent, Liz Ruskin. Hi, Liz. Hey, Lori. Hello, listeners. Thanks for being on. And in the studio with me, which is so great to have people back in the studio, is Anchorage Daily News reporter Nat Hers. Nat, welcome. So good to have you back here. Thanks. It's great to be back. We'll also hear from some of the candidates who are running. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But I wanted to let you know that, of course, you too can join the conversation. This is Talk of Alaska. Do you have questions about the special election process? Are you confused that there will be two elections for the House race? Are you excited to try the state's new ranked choice voting system? You can call us statewide at 1-800-478-8255. That's 1-800-478-8255. If you're in Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422. 550-8422. You can also email us, talk at alaskapublic.org. So we sent messages to the dozens and dozens of candidates running for the U.S. House seat, inviting them to send us a 49-second, get it, audio pitch about why they think they're best suited for the job. We've heard from more than a dozen candidates so far, and we'll play most of those during the course of the hour. They will also be archived on alaskapublic.org, and if and when other candidates send us their audio message, we'll add those to the page. All right, so we'll hear some of those in just a bit. But Liz, start us off. We'll, let's clarify the process for the first special election. Voters will pick one candidate in the primary on June 11th. Then what's next for this election to fill out the remainder of the term? 
Well, right, and I, I would actually break it down into we're, we're going to vote four times for our U.S. House seat, yeah. a special primary in general and a regular primary in general. The special is to fill out the remainder of Don Young's term until January. The regular is to fill the next two-year term. Um, the special primary, which is what most of the attention has been on lately, is that because that's the one with 48 candidates, and it's first. Um, the special primary will be the state's first all-male election. And a couple things I want to point out, as all primary, this primary, like all state primaries from now on, are going to be a pick-one primary. That is, voters choose one candidate, the top four candidates uh, the top four vote-getters will advance. So you just get to pick one in this primary. No ranking. And also, um, with the male-only primary, you do have to get a witness signature on the ballot envelope. Um, the, the state is going to start sending ballots out um, at the, towards the end of this month. Um, and um, in uh, you know, if you haven't gotten your ballot by mid-May, you should probably contact the Division of Elections and see what's up. But you will be getting a, a, a ballot in the mail, and you do need to get a witness signature on that ballot. And that is going to confuse. I bet there's going to be a lot of invalidations because if you voted by mail in Anchorage Muni elections this year, or if you voted last year in the state election by mail. You didn't need to get that witness signature, but this year, right. if you are voting by mail, you need to get that witness signature on your ballot. Wow. Yes, that is definitely going to complicate things for some folks, especially as you mentioned, we, you know, for people in Anchorage that just did the municipal vote, that wasn't necessary. So, okay, on top of this being an already complicated process, there's that additional layer. Nat, Nat Herz, um, let's talk about the next election in August to fill the two-year House term. What do you think people need to know about that? So uh, I think the election in August, it's like uh, August has never felt further away. And I think, you know, we don't, I don't the filing deadline for that election is still not until June. Um, and so we don't really even know. We know that a number of candidates, a lot of the, I think, best funded and, and candidates with the highest name ID, I think, are already saying that they have filed or will file for that election for the two-year term. Uh, the flip side is I think there are a number of candidates who are sort of just seeking to be kind of placeholder, preserving Alaska's interests over the next few months and then kind of stand aside. I know I think Andrew Halkrow has has said uh, he's in that category. Emil Nadi, the uh, Alaska Native leader, I think is also in that category. So I, I think it's probably still too early to think uh, as far as four whole months ahead in Alaska's political system. If you're just joining us, this is Talk of Alaska, and we are talking about the special election, the two special elections for Don Young's seat. We have a special election coming up 
to fill the remainder of his term until January and then a second election to fill the next two-year term. 1-800-478-8255 is the number statewide. If you've got questions about the upcoming race or you're just wanting to talk about uh, this new way of selecting candidates through ranked choice voting, 1-800-478-8255. If you're in Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422. 5508422 you can also email us talk at alaskapublic.org that as liz said this is the state's first all male election the ballot will be substantial 48 house candidates on it the logistics seem pretty daunting what have you heard have you talked to the division of elections about what it's taking to stand up this new process yeah, um, a little bit. Uh, we we discussed it at, at a press conference with them, and then also, you know, I've kind of heard some things. I mean, I, I do think, first of all, um, for people who are listening to this program, I imagine the vast majority of them are Alaskans and live in Alaska and probably have at least some small sense of what it takes to pull off an election here under normal circumstances, which is, you know, it's it, it is still even with that, like kind of almost impossible to wrap your mind around where you're talking about, you know, hiring poll workers and supervisors and dealing with logistics of getting ballots to and from hundreds of rural villages and polling places. And then all of a sudden, uh, Division of Elections, which is already challenged and been sued, you know, I think multiple times over its ability to kind of efficiently conduct elections that it has two whole years of notice to plan for, all of a sudden gets this dumped in their laps that they have to organize two new elections in the space of a few months at a time when uh, it's a really hard to find uh, workforce. It's also really hard to find like paper. Um, And so (laughs) I think initially when this was kind of handed to division of elections, it was like, holy, you know what, like this is we don't even know how we're going to do this. And I think it took a lot of work and kind of iterative thinking and planning about how, you know, how they were going to pull this off. And I think it was very clear that they could not do a normal election with, you know, in-person polling locations and poll workers because that was basically going to be impossible. So I think, you know, even that said, with with the by mail uh, system, it's still going to test their ability to procure supplies, get all the workers they need to administer the process. And, you know, it also comes at a time when there's a lot of scrutiny on our systems of voting and elections. And so, you know, I think there's going to be we've already seen some sensitivity to this on the part of the governor, for example. And, you know, I I think it's going to be sort of a big issue. And I, I think it's very likely that, you know, we hear concerns or outcries or complaints from candidates and campaigns. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the fact that there could be things uh, as basic as paper shortage problems. So uh, a lot to consider there. There are so many candidates. A recent Anchorage Daily News article sort of grouped some of them by their political leanings. There is at least one self-described independent democratic socialist There are others who would be in the progressive liberal bucket and then conservatives that may be closer to Don Young politics or to the right of him. So uh, talk about how you're both thinking about the 48 candidates and what you think voters should know. Liz, you want to start us off there? Yeah. um, 
I think that voters are looking at two things. They're looking at, you know, which voters best represent my views and who do I think can win? Can my favorite win? And they're kind of balancing those two. And, you know, it's not easy with that many that many people. Um, it's just uh, I, I, I see a lot of sort of uh, research and studying and sharing of information um, on social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's. There's, there's a lot of questioning about those two. And, and that, you know, that calculus of can the person I most want win or can I live with um, another candidate who is, I think, more viable, that is, you know, what um, I think ranked choice voting was supposed to deliver us from. But in this crowded primary, I think I see a lot of people doing exactly that. Nat, your thoughts? Well, I mean, I just think this is like the best possible political buffet of options that Alaskans now get to choose from. And I think, you know, sort of from a practical or pragmatic perspective, like the one Liz is employing here, like, yeah, you know, personally, when I look at this ballot, I'm like, whoa, I don't even it's hard to know where to start. But I think the flip side is like, man, if you ever were feeling like you were not satisfied with your choices through the partisan primary system uh, as as we were presented with for decades and decades leading up to this year. It's like, you know, if you want a democratic socialist who supports Medicare for all named Santa Claus, you can vote for him. Um, If you want a you know, very conservative Republican, you can vote for Nick Begich III. If you want a national political figure endorsed by Trump, you can vote for Sarah Palin. If you want a progressive Democrat, you can vote for Chris Constant, who would be Alaska's first uh, gay uh, statewide elected official, um, and, and like, and then you know, and the, there's Alaska Native candidates running. Totally. Absolutely. So the the list goes on, and I I think you know it it it. I think what what is cool is that I think we will actually get like a cool marketplace of ideas from you know, all these different candidates, even some of the ones who may not necessarily have a a great shot at advancing. I think they have the potential to, like, inject some of their issues into the race. Um, And then, yeah, so I don't know. I'm looking forward to kind of hearing from all these different candidates as, you know, it sounds like we're actually going to physically get to do on this program. And I would think that uh, people will have to put to bed their complaints about not enough choice now going forward. If this isn't enough choice, then like, I I don't know where you'd have to move to, but. (laughs) We need every Alaskan running for office. Let's go to the phones for a moment. Again, if you have a number, you can call us statewide at 1-800-478-8255. 1-800-478-8255. In Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422. 550-8422. Diane is in Anchorage. Hello. Hi. Um, I have a comment and a question. I have been an, uh, an election worker for many years, and I know it's really fun to see people at my local polling place, and people get to visit, and kids get to see the process. But the average age of poll workers, if you can even find them, is like 75. And working from like, uh, you know, obviously you have to be there in the morning really early in the night before to set up, and then you might not get out, out of there 
you know, until 11 at night. And that's, you know, from, you know, you're up in the morning to six to, to you know, midnight. That's just not doable. Uh, so the people who say go back to the old system uh, don't understand it. My question on the on the ranked choice is, and I've even written a lieutenant governor, is I know what happens. You get 51% and someone wins. But what happens if my fourth place person uh, and, and everyone else who has voted that fourth place name gets eliminated? Does that vote does my vote for him or her get put on to my first place? Or if that person got eliminated and I had voted for him or her in the first place, does that vote then get sent down to my second choice? It's, it's never clear, and I have heard it several different ways. So you're asking if your fourth candidate gets eliminated, what happens with that vote? Yes, because they seem to recalculate. They, they and, and I've I've seen this a couple times, um, you know, people trying to explain it. Even James Brooks, the ADN um, reporter, uh, was on television. They tried to explain it. And it, and I've seen other, um, and I've even called people, and they say, oh, no, 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 if that doesn't happen. It just does not make sense. All right. Uh I I'm not real sure. You know, I'm I'm I've been more focused on like if your first candidate gets knocked out, then your second pick moves up. But I'm not sure yeah, what uh, to think about the fourth candidate being knocked out. I I, I think e- e- the way that the system works, if there there are only four candidates on the general election ballot, and so the only it, the only circumstance in which your fourth ranking would be counted. By the time you get to the fourth ranking, it's actually, you know, there's only one candidate. They, they would be the last candidate standing. And I think that candidate would be the winner and your vote would not get reassigned to another candidate because then there are no candidates left to rank. There are only four candidates. So I think that's the answer to that question. But it is sort of a it's a difficult system to wrap your mind around it. And it's almost like we need a, a video to explain it. <laughs> well, we have one it, of those. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to me that um, the easiest way to explain that is that there can only be three rounds of voting. Um, because by the time you get, I mean, of counting, by the time you get down to counting third choice vote, there's only, you know, there's only two candidates left. So, you know, Technically, no one's fourth choice is, is going to be counted as a fourth choice. All right. Well, uh, hopefully that helped a bit. Um, I know it is kind of a confusing new process, but it's also exciting to see what uh, what this could mean in the future for us and our elections. Let's hear from some of the candidates that are running now. Again, we invited all the candidates to send us a 49-second audio message about their ideas or platform. And we've heard from... 12 to 15 so far. We're going to play them in groups of three to try to get them all in throughout this hour, and then we'll archive them on our website. So starting us off, here's John Coghill, Greg Brelsford, and Mary Peltola. I'm John Coghill, and I'd like to serve the people of Alaska and Washington, D.C., to help us serve as the best host of this wonderful geography that the world holds in wonder, to honor our diverse cultures, and grow our economy to serve the United States as the best Arctic and Pacific place in the world. 
to slow the spending in America while improving the free market economy and turn the tide of socialism to be a part of practicing honorable civic discourse and serving the constituents' need throughout this great state. Be my privilege. Thank you. Hello, Alaskans. I'm Greg Brelsford, a business-friendly, independent candidate for Congress. As the leader of multiple local and tribal governments, I fixed real problems and made life better for Alaskans. I managed police departments, aging sewer systems, ports, rural housing, and other things. No other candidate knows Alaskans' day-to-day challenges on the ground like me. Alaskans are tired of extreme politics, especially with today's inflation and energy crises. I'm a no-drama, battle-tested problem solver, balancing competing needs and rights. I'm the fighter that Alaska needs. Vote for Greg. Thank you. Hello, my name is Mary Sattler-Peltola. I've spent my life working for Alaska and Alaskans. I'm a Yupik fisheries advocate and Democratic former state legislator from Bethel. During my 10 years in the legislature, I chaired the Bush caucus and passed legislation that improved schools, fisheries, and public health in rural communities. As a native woman, I understand that Alaskans are a diverse people who need leaders who can unite us. We also need a federal government that helps stabilize our economy. My top priority is to improve Alaskans' quality of life. That means supporting the entrepreneurial spirit and building an economy that supports the needs of living and future generations. The Yupik word Igayukluda means working together. I'm ready to work for all Alaskans. So uh, some takeaways from those statements. Liz, both Coghill and Peltola have legislative experience. How much do you think that matters to Alaskans right now? I think it does matter a lot. Um, they are um, uh, both um, Coghill and, and uh, Peltola are familiar names. Um, Mary was Mary Sattler when she was a legislator, but um, uh, I think people can make that leap. Uh, so they've got some name recognition. They've got a lot of experience, and they have some experience campaigning. Uh, Greg has been uh, campaigning for uh, a few months. He was one of the ones who was in the race before Congressman Young died. Uh, I don't see he may have a lot of experience. Um, I don't see him having built a very large uh, campaign or, you know, gathered a lot of support. Nat, you wrote a story about Sarah Palin jumping into this race, and Iris Samuels, another ADN reporter, wrote about Santa Claus and mentioned a few others. What's next? Are you hoping or planning to profile all of the candidates somehow? Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) No. um, Look, we have have a survey that we have been running that I think we're going to try to we definitely wanted to hear from all 48 candidates. We heard from a number of them. I think we're, that that's sort of one opportunity for everyone to have their voices heard. I mean, I think if we had limitless resources, it would be great to profile all of the candidates. I think, you know, we're trying to be both judicious and thorough uh, as far as, you know, finding stories that feel like they're meaningful and relevant uh, at the same time. So, you know, I think they're, are going to be candidates that, you know, not to knock their campaigns or their 
humanity in any way, but, you know, just are probably not going to be a focus. But, you know, I mean, it's just how can everyone wants to talk about Sarah Palin. I recognize that a lot of people don't want to hear from Sarah Palin or about Sarah Palin at this point, but I think it's like undeniable that she's a figure of interest. And then how can you possibly ignore the democratic socialist named Santa Claus? It's just, uh, it's, it's not feasible, nor would it be prudent and nor would it be fun. So Alaskan. Uh, Liz, you have a story saying Palin has competition for the conservative vote, even on her home turf in the Matsu. Tell us what you heard. And then uh, and then we're going to hear from some more candidates before the bottom of the hour break. Yeah, uh, well, Sarah Palin is the most famous Alaskan politician in the country, so it would be wrong to discount that too much. But she's also, you know, made a lot of people fume and, and, uh, and cringe. Um, some of these Alaskans are conservatives who supported her in the past. So while they share her values, they don't necessarily like her, um, you know, public image or her persona. Um, one told me that Palin's signature style of being a cultural warrior um, just doesn't work for her. And um, uh, another said he was embarrassed by how she's used her celebrity. Um and then, you know, she's got two other problems. One is that um, she doesn't seem engaged on Alaska issues in the recent years. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she's been pretty quiet. And, um, you know, for better and worse, she has a track record in public office. Some conservatives um, remember what she did in office and weren't, um, you know, felt she wasn't conservative enough. All right, well, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But before uh, we have to take a break, let's hear from three more candidates in their recorded 49-second self-submitted pitches. I actually was quite impressed that uh, all of them stayed within that uh, real close to the 49-second mark. So now we're going to hear from Laurel Foster, Santa Claus, and Nick Begich. My name is Laurel Foster, and I'm a candidate in the Alaska special election for the U.S. House of Representatives. My purpose is to put the people of Alaska at the forefront of my campaign. Our democracy is structured to give power to the people to hold our constituents and leaders accountable. Motivation should not be the political needs of the parties or the organizations they serve. It should focus on the needs and wants of the people at the local, state, and national level. Our constituents should reflect the people they represent, not the money, powers, or political privilege that they come from. This is Santa Claus, a councilman in North Pole, Alaska, and special election candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives. My website is santaclausforalaska.com, and I love Bernie Sanders. I support Medicare for All, the child tax credit, student loan cancellation, lesbian, gay, and trans rights, women and children's rights, the ADA, housing the homeless, protecting our fisheries and environment, respecting our first people's sovereignty, funding infrastructure, especially broadband and public broadcasting and public health programs, and reducing water and air pollution, ending oil and gas company subsidies, strengthening our defense, and collaborating with Arctic nations regarding climate change. I plan to work across the aisle to find common ground and accomplish a greater good for all Alaskans, especially our children. Please vote for me, Santa Claus. Thank you. Hi, my name is Nick Begich, and I'm a pro-development, pro-jobs, pro-family candidate. I spent my career in the private sector, building new businesses, and helping grow opportunity for founders and their teams. I believe in the incredible potential of Alaska and its people, and I'm prepared to go to D.C. 
to make the business case for Alaska to the nation and the world. Whether it's oil and gas, critical minerals, fishing, timber, tourism, we're a resource state. This is not about a brand, a career, or an ego. This race must be about you and your future in Alaska. Thank you for engaging, and thank you for your vote. And again, these will be on our website along with any and all others we get from the candidates. Maybe we'll hear from all of them eventually. And as we get more, we'll add them to the website for you to listen to. Let's go to the phones for a moment. Fran is in Anchorage. Hello. Hello. Thank you for the program, number one. Number two, I have three points, okay? Number two, I would like you to give me exact dates. I understand we're voting for 48 candidates, the first one. The second election, we will be voting for the top four. And then we will vote for the person to take over in January. When is that election the primary? And when is that final election? That's in November, I'm assuming. All right. Well, please give specific dates. Yep, I sure can. We'll have a third point, okay? Yep. Did you want to make that now or do you want the dates? No, no, I'll wait for you to give the okay. dates. Okay, all right. We're a little short on time because we got to take a break here in a moment. But May 12th is the deadline to update your voter registration and your mailing address. May 27th, absentee in-person voting sites open. June 11th is the special election primary date. Mailed ballots must be postmarked by this date. August 16th is the special general election and the regular primary election. So they'll both be on that date. And then November 8th is the regular general election. And your third point. Thank you. My third point is you cannot reassign votes to another candidate. That fourth candidate's votes cannot go to the first candidate. I have a second question, and it may not be able to be answered. If, the, if one of those four do not get 50 percent, do we have to have another election? And I'll hang up and listen. No, that won't happen. We do need to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue hearing from candidates and callers as Talk of Alaska continues statewide. Talk of Alaska is brought to you in part by your local public radio station. As new COVID variants spread, vaccines can help protect you and your community from severe illness. A booster shot provides additional protection especially for those at higher risk. If you're 12 and older and it's been five months since your last Pfizer or Moderna dose, or two months since your Johnson & Johnson vaccine, you are now eligible for a booster. Learn more at covidvax.alaska.gov. This message sponsored by the Department of Health and Social Services. Welcome back to Talk of Alaska. We're discussing the special election for Don Young's seat and just gave out some dates. We'll give those again in just a bit. We're hearing from the candidates who sent us 49-second pitches, and we're taking your calls. 1-800-478-8255 is the number statewide. 1-800-478-8255. If you're in Anchorage, the local number is 550 8422 
550-8422. You can also email us, talk at alaskapublic.org. On the phone from Washington, D.C. is Alaska Public Media's Washington correspondent, Liz Ruskin. And in the studio with me is Nat Hers, a reporter with the Anchorage Daily News. So uh, let's see here. Uh, Santa Claus has said that he only wants to win the election to fill the rest of the existing term. He doesn't plan to run in the regular election to replace Young for two years. Are there any other candidates in this category? I think you mentioned some already, Nat. And my main question is, does it affect anything in Washington if one person wins the special election to fill out the term and someone else wins the regular election? Um, I'll take that one. Um, Well, if the same person wins both elections, then that person has more seniority than um, the people who, uh, you know, than others in Congress who got elected in November. Um, So I could imagine, depending on who wins the special, that they would make the pitch, you know, elect me for at the regular, too, because, look, I've already got a few months seniority, and, you know, for the rest of my career in Congress, that could matter in terms of seniority. So that's the difference that it makes. And, you know, there's a certain amount of continuity, I guess, of um, running the office. So what, what talk a little bit, though, about that seniority aspect. I mean, it's a few months. What, what really does that affect? Um, I think it affects uh, committee assignments. It affects um, uh, office locations. I'm more familiar <laughs> with it when it comes to Senate seniority because I've I witnessed uh, uh, the Senate offices turn over um, a couple of times, but, of course, I've never witnessed the U.S. House mm-hmm. office mm-hmm. turnover because it hasn't in 49 years. But and seniority is a little less important on the house side, but it still matters. Mm-hmm. Nat. It, it, yeah, I mean, it, it actually. I mean, this is something that I think people have actually been, you know, trying to talk to me about and being like, "Can you write a story about this?" Because this is a significant issue. I mean, I think obviously, Liz, as the DC correspondent, knows a lot more about the whole seniority issue. But I think people here in Alaska seem to have identified it as, you know, a, a reason to pick someone in the special election who is also running in the general election. And, you know, I've heard some arguments that folks running only in the special election are just sort of like opportunists, et cetera, et cetera. I actually think, you know, there's a a counter argument to be made there, which is, can you imagine the idea that like you get someone elected in August, maybe the election is certified in September and then there's another election two months after that that this person is also going to be running in, which is the general election. At the same time, they're supposed to be sort of hiring staff, figuring out the whole situation on Capitol Hill. I mean, not to say that it's not doable at all, but I just think, you know, anyone who is running in these two or four consecutive races like that is a going to have to be a Herculean effort in and of itself. You add serving in Congress on top 
top of that and and you know it just like are they really going to be able to do the job i don't know that the answer is no but i think you know as as a member of the public that feels like a very legitimate question to ask Mm -hmm. it's going to definitely complicate things we had an email question um from karen who asks is the primary election ranked choice let's settle that once and for all it's only the general elections that both the special general and the regular general that you will be making ranked choice. In the primaries, you pick one candidate. Even though there's a lot of them, you only pick one. So do either of you think, Nat, start us off here, it's because of the new voting system that we've got this unprecedented number of candidates running for the House seat, or is it more a reflection of pent-up desire for change after nearly five decades? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard to answer that question in a really yeah. kind of comprehensive way. I imagine that some folks are motivated by the new system, but I, I think it's probably more the latter that, you know, you've had this this really important figure holding the seat and and seemingly unbeatable for you know like 49 years it's it's so hard to even wrap your mind it's you know as long as i've been alive plus half um and so i think you know just the opportunity that there's no incumbent uh in just what feels like a pretty historic moment really i think motivated a lot of people to file your thoughts liz anything to add there uh I do think also that, I mean, it was always going to be a crowded field just because there's so many unknowns with the mostly the open primary that um, it seemed like people thought, well, I'll just throw my name in. Um, and uh, I think it was always going to be a bit crowded. But, yeah, the open seat really um, created an opportunity for a lot of people who were contemplating it. Absolutely. Let's hear uh, from another batch of candidates. Uh, this is Chris By, Tara Sweeney, and Jeff Lohnfelds. Thanks for this opportunity. I've enjoyed this show in the past and its discussions. My name is Chris By. The Army brought me here back in 2003. We discovered there just isn't a better place than Alaska. After several combat deployments, I retired from the Army and became a fishing guide. We entered this race back in 2021 because there was nobody representing typical Alaskans. Professional Republican and Democrat politicians gave us $30 trillion of debt, 20 years of war, and land management that stifles opportunities for Alaskans. As a term limit advocate, I believe typical Alaskans can make better decisions than career politicians. As a libertarian, I place your freedom and your liberty ahead of any party elite or special interest. Don't settle for the lesser of two evils. You can find out more at itstimealaska.com, and I'll see you all on the river. Growing up in rural Alaska, coupled with my professional experiences, make me uniquely qualified to serve Alaskans in Congress. I represent the fabric of Alaska. I am a small business owner and former ANC executive. In 2018, I was nominated by President Trump and confirmed by the United States Senate to serve as the 13th Assistant Secretary of Indian Affairs at the U.S. Department of the Interior. I was the first Alaska Native to serve within the federal government in this capacity. I have a track record of effective leadership that adds value to the constituencies that I serve. My career in advocating for Alaskans in Washington is what makes me uniquely qualified to serve Alaskans in Congress. Hi, I'm Jeff Lowenfels. 
Gardening is just my hobby. In real life, I ran Yukon Pacific's gas pipeline project, working with all the federal agencies here and in Washington, D.C. to obtain its permits. I practiced land and natural resources law and was managing partner of a law firm with offices in Fairbanks, Anchorage, Juneau, and Washington, D.C. And I represented all of the state's resources agencies as an assistant attorney general. I actually know how to work with laws and regulations and deal with the federal government, too. I have the skills and the experience to ensure Alaska's interests are remembered during the House legislative process and to help Alaskans deal with the federal government here. The fact that I can garden, too, doesn't hurt. (laughs) 1-800-478-8255 is the number statewide if you'd like to join our conversation or you have questions about the upcoming elections. 1-800-478-8255 1-800-478-8255 in Anchorage. The local number is 550-8422, 550-8422. You can email us, talk at alaskapublic.org. So we just heard from Chris By, Tara Sweeney, and Jeff Lohenfels. Um, the ANCSA Regional Association has endorsed Tara Sweeney. A statement from the president, Kim Reitmeyer, says in part that it's Rare for the Association of the 12 Regional Native Corporations to endorse a political candidate, but they cite her experience as the BIA's Assistant Secretary for Indian Affairs, the first Alaska Native. Sweeney isn't the only Alaska Native candidate, as we know. Any sense of the significance here or the weight this endorsement may or may not have with voters? Uh, What are your thoughts there, Nat? Well, you know, we, uh, we saw this announcement yesterday and uh i i think the announcement in and of itself uh you know we've seen some endorsements already we've seen donald trump's endorsement um we've seen a number of like local republican districts and matt Sue and conservative activists who have endorsed nick begich's campaign so i think we kind of were like you know look this is significant but you know we can't cover every endorsement i think the big question for tara sweeney's campaign is um do and how much do the Alaska Native corporations that make up the Alaska Regional Association uh, throw their money behind her? Because as we all know, uh, Alaska Re- Native Regional Corporations are, you know, the state's largest private sector organizations, and they have a huge amount of financial resources behind them that if they choose to throw behind Tara Sweeney's campaign could really uh, distinguish her. So I think, you know, we're kind of waiting to see if there's a super PAC type effort that emerges in support of Tara and and sort of how much money they're willing to throw around. Because I think, you know, in a campaign that is this short of a time frame, June 11th is the special primary uh, and, and, you know, a situation where there are going to be a lot of candidates asking for money. Uh, uh, having the backing of 13 regional corporations or some number of them uh, could be a pretty significant thing for her. Absolutely. Liz, your thoughts, sir? Well, there is an independent expenditure group uh, that is um, supporting Tara Sweeney, and that's what I've heard from people who uh, have been hired by it. Um, You know, the question of whether endorsements matter, um, in surveys people will often say that um, an endorsement doesn't influence them one way or the other. But in this crowded of a field, it's got to um, uh, have some effect because it shows that you might be more viable. It suggests even without the money, and in this shortened election season before the the special primary, I'm not sure how much money even matters. Maybe it does, but there's just so little time. Um, But an endorsement 
the endorsement announcement, even without the money, suggests there could be money <laughs> later on. There could be money in the general um, because, uh, you know, the Native corporations are um, among those that have, you know, funded campaigns in the past and funded independent expenditures. Even really diligent Alaska voters will not be able to fully vet all 48 candidates. What do you think this will come down to in terms of who the top vote-getters will be? Is it positions on issues, money raised, which equals more visibility, endorsements from respected organizations and prominent Alaskans, or, or something else? What uh, What's going to help people stand out here? You know, I think... As much as we at, uh, you know, media organizations would like to think that we are going to have the time to educate Alaskans on all 48 candidates and that all 40 and that Alaskans are actually going to take the time to do that. Um, you know, I think what we've heard from folks who are following this process pretty closely and have experience is that honestly, this is probably going to boil down to something of a popularity contest, because as Liz said, like, you know, how do you distinguish yourself over the course of two months when there are 47 other candidates, other statewide campaigns going on, folks that are better funded. So, you know, I mean, I think in all likelihood, it's like we're going to see people moving on to the general election who are people that already have significant name recognition, like Sarah Palin, like Al Gross, like Nick Begich to an extent, and then Santa Claus. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Who knows? Indeed. Let's before we have to take another short break, let's get our second to last group in here. This is Al Gross, Chris Constant, and Stephen Wright. My name is Al Gross, and I'm running for Congress as a nonpartisan independent. Born and raised in southeast Alaska, I'm Alaskan through and through. I know firsthand what makes Alaska special, our people and our land. I'm not a career politician. I'm a doctor, a commercial fisherman, a father of four, and a lifelong Alaskan. My top priority as your congressman will be to listen to and to work for you. I want to work to help create jobs and to help diversify our economy by lowering energy, transportation, and health care costs, which will make it easier for businesses in Alaska to prosper. Washington is broken. Together we can send a bold message to Washington that we want less politics and more solutions. I'm Al Gross, and I would really appreciate your vote on June 11th. Thank you. Hello. My name is Christopher Constant. My path to Congress is paved with thousands of hours of community service. My net worth isn't measured in dollars, but rather concrete contributions to our communities. I didn't decide to run for Congress on a whim or because I saw a new opportunity with the seat becoming vacant. I announced my race in February because I believe I can pave the path to a better future for Alaska with hope and opportunity. I'm running for Alaska's lone congressional seat because I've experienced firsthand the divisions that are tearing up our cities, state, and country. I want to be part of the solution. My number one priority will be representing the interests of Alaskans who need help in Washington. As Alaska's lone representative, I will be there for you. Hello, this is Stephen Wright. I'm running for U.S. Congress as a Republican. I'm Alaskan-born, retired Air Force veteran. I am pro-life, pro-Second Amendment, pro-small government, and pro-freedom. I would like to accomplish four things while in Congress. First, abolish the Jones Act to reduce shipping costs for Alaska. Second, restore the U.S. and oil, Alaska oil production. Third, reduce federal land in Alaska. And fourth, reduce federal regulation on Alaskan industries. These are important key things for all of Alaska. As your representative, 
I look forward to serving you and the people of Alaska. And I have an America First agenda that will strengthen Alaska. My website is StephenWrightAlaska at Weebly.com. All right. Before we take a quick break here, uh, Lizanette, your thoughts. Are you seeing any sort of patterns emerge or any kind of common themes in the statements? Liz? Liz? Oh, did we lose Liz? Oh, no. Maybe she's muted. Maybe we lost Liz. Uh, Well, let's take that quick break. And when we come back, uh, we'll continue our conversation about the candidates. And we'll hear from our final batch that submitted their 49-second pitches as Talk of Alaska continues. Talk of Alaska is brought to you in part by your local public radio station. NEA Alaska is a professional education association representing over 11,000 of Alaska's dedicated public school employees. NEA Alaska members are united in their commitment to provide an excellent education for every student, regardless of background or zip code. Together, NEA Alaska members work with colleagues, parents, and their communities to build strong public schools that are productive, safe, and welcoming to all. Learn more at NEAalaska.org and help NEA Alaska reach, teach, and inspire all Alaska students. This message sponsored by NEA Alaska. As new COVID variants spread, vaccines can help protect you and your community from severe illness. A booster shot provides additional protection, especially for those at higher risk. If you're 12 and older and it's been five months since your last Pfizer or Moderna dose, or two months since your Johnson & Johnson vaccine, you are now eligible for a booster. Learn more at covidvax.alaska.gov. This message sponsored by the Department of Health and Social Services. Welcome back to Talk of Alaska. 1-800-478-8255 is the number statewide if you'd like to call in and ask a question or you've been listening to the candidates and have something to say. 1-800-478-8255 in Anchorage. The local number is 550-8422. 550-8422. You can also email us, talk at alaskapublic.org. So we just heard from uh, Al Gross, Christopher Constant, and Stephen Wright. Uh, And um, I was trying to pose the question before the break about in the candidates that we've heard, do you hear any sort of common themes or anything really emerging that stands out to you, Liz? Uh, Yeah, well, um, one of the things, you know, as a writer, um, I was just I'm just always listening to them for how effective are they at giving listeners an idea of who they are and what they stand for. Um, and I've, you know, heard a variety of skill level at that, which I guess has to do with writing and, and what your story and your position is. Nat, anything to add there? I don't think so. I mean, I, right. I don't necessarily hear a lot in common aside from kind of standard campaign speak. So, <laughs> Which, of course, we're going to hear a lot of in the coming months. Right. And that's kind of my point is that some of it is, like how much are they able to do something other than regular campaign speak? All right. Well, I uh, think that it would be wise for us to get this last batch of voices in, and then we can round out the hour and uh, discuss what we've heard and a few of the names in the race that definitely stand out. So, uh, again, this is candidates that did get to us, sent their 49-second pitches in by the deadline that we imposed 
of yesterday. But as more of them come in, we'll add them to alaskapublic.org so you can go there and listen to them again and hear other candidates uh, if they so choose to send a statement to us. So finally, our last group is Jason Williams, Robert Lyons, and Josh Rivak. My name is Jason Williams, and I'm running for Congress. I believe that Alaska needs strong individuals such as myself to represent them at the federal level. People who understand Alaskans are independent by nature. They have a strong connection to the environment and traditional rights, such as hunting and fishing activities. I believe that Alaskans need representation who will fight for their ability to develop their natural resources and participate in the global and national economies going forward without onerous government intervention. I hope that you'll vote for me in this election. Thank you. Hello, Alaskans. My name is Robert Lyons from the Matsu Valley, and I want to represent all of you with hard work, truth, transparency, dedication, and determination. I vow a term limit, so I won't go to D.C. to be a part of their club. I'll go to represent you. I'm adamantly pro-liberty. We're known for rugged individualism here in Alaska, and we're known for action as well. Alaskans have always held on to the belief that all the people in this state have a responsibility to each other and our environment. That is self-evident. I believe a new age for Alaska has come where we as free people can take the reins of government back from the interest living far away and being ignorant of our daily lives and struggles. Begin again to break through the barriers of opinion and hold to the truths of humanity. Unite and untie Washington, D.C. control from Alaskans' future. Vote Bob. AlaskansVoteBob.com. Check me out. Thank you very much, Alaska. I'm Senator Josh Revac. As a combat-wounded veteran, tanker in the Army, I know how to fight. As a member of Team Don Young for six years, I know how to work hard for Alaskans. And as a member of the legislature, I know how to serve Alaskans. And I will serve you and all Alaskans from border to border with every fiber in my being if you give me the opportunity to do so. I'm Josh Revac, and I'm asking for your vote. I'll fight hard like Congressman Young did, and I'll continue to put po partisan politics aside and prioritize the people of Alaska. It would be an honor to serve you and our great nation and the people of Alaska in Congress. And as Don Young said, I'll win the battles that Alaska can't afford to lose. All right, that's our final batch of voices. Uh, in our f f last few minutes here, when you're talking to voters, what are you hearing from them? Are they confused about this? Are they excited? What have you heard from from uh, folks about this really very special election, Nat? Should I vote for Santa? <laughs> That's what you hear? I'm not kidding. I mean, you know, I... I I hang out with people oh, on all sides of the political spectrum, but um, but certainly like among the more kind of liberal leaning and progressive minded folks like that is a serious question they're asking themselves because, you know, I mean, you you listen to Santa's testimonial on this program and he says, you know, he support cutting defense. Around, no, right. he's like he supports Medicare for all health care reform. He supports uh, reduced defense spending. He supports like gay and trans rights. And it's like he checks all the boxes and he's served on the city council. He's like a nice guy on social media. So I think think, you know, folks are asking, do I vote for Santa Claus? Do I vote for Mary Peltola, who would be, you know, the first Alaska native to hold statewide office, I believe. Um, and so. Um, or Tara Sweeney or, you know, yeah. Lottie. There's, a, there's that, a number of candidates. And that's on the progressive side of the spectrum. And then on the um, on the on the kind of more conservative side of the spectrum, it's like, you know, heard a lot of 
positive and negative things about Sarah Palin, but then, you know, their choices about like, do you vote for Josh Reback or, or do you vote for Tara Sweeney or do you vote for Nick Begich? Um, you know, uh, Nick Begich, I think, offering sort of a more ideologically conservative view. But, you know, again, there's some real serious choices to be made here. There are. And that's the thing is, uh, I think it's important for folks to remember that it could seem like it's a lark, but it's not. This is very serious. Uh, it's uh, a, a big change for Alaska. Liz, what have you heard from folks you've spoken to about this? I just want to say um, Lauren Lehman is Alaska Native in one statewide office. So I, I think there's another one, uh, Alaska Native, who's one statewide office, too. But anyway, um, you know... But not, but not our U.S. N- none of uh, them served in the U.S. positions. Right, never in U- never right. in Congress. We've yeah. never had um, that. Um, the um, well, one of the thing I just find a lot of voters are trading information about, um, uh, you know, where these who these candidates are and what they represent and where they are on the political spectrum. Um, Nat said earlier, he talked about the marketplace of ideas and this primary being a a great um, uh, opportunity to have a full range of choices. And that is true. But in such a short period of time, it uh, it bothers me that there are going there are a lot of, um, you know, ideas that aren't going to get aired that are, in effect, you know, withering at the back of the shelf in that marketplace of ideas. So, um, you know, it just uh, it makes me sad that there's not a time for a full airing of um, all of the um, viable candidates or all of the serious candidates. We didn't have a chance really to talk about the fact that, um, uh, as one of the callers mentioned, finding election workers is difficult and uh, increasingly difficult. We had a call from Marlene Endearing who said she's the town's only consistent election worker and she's stressed about not having anyone to help with the elections. She wanted to know if the state is going to hire more uh, workers and only half-jokingly said, have Lieutenant Governor <laughs> Kevin Meyer call her. So she's looking for more help. <laughs> I know Marlene. Hi to Marlene. And yeah, I mean, that's it's such a good question. I mean, I think, you know, and it also could be one of those things where we don't know that this is a problem until it's too late. And, you know, we've definitely seen issues with voting and, and voting access in rural Alaska before. So I imagine there are people who are watching and asking these questions. But I think it's also an important question for us as kind of the president to be asking is sort of how what do these preparations look like and how prepared are we? Yes. Are there going to be enough election workers for this uh, very, very busy election season? Some important dates again to remember. May 12th is the deadline to update your voter registration and your mailing address if you need to. May 27th, uh, absentee in-person voting sites will open. On June 11th, that is the special election primary date. You'll pick one in that special election. Mailed ballots must be postmarked by that date. August 16th is the special general election, and it is also the regular primary election. And on November 8th, that is the date of the regular general election. Thanks to my guests today, Liz Ruskin and Nat Hers. Thanks to our engineer, Tobin Shelby, our producer, Adlin Baxter, and on phones and social media today, Kavitha George. I'm Lori Townsend. Thanks for listening. The voices of the candidates are archived on our website, alaskapublic.org. We'll be back next week.
Talk of Alaska is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Views expressed are those of the participants and not necessarily those of Alaska Public Media, this station, or its underwriters. Today's program is available online at alaskapublic.org. This is Alaska Public Media. Thank you.